Good morning, everybody. Why don't you stand up a moment, turn around and give somebody a high five, a wee hug, big welcome. Let them know. It's great to see them. Great to see them. Got a good word this morning. I got a great word this morning. The word of God. That, that gives a wee minute for the kids to get back. Or the kids' mums and dads to get back. How many people in this room like accents? Accents. Isn't it brilliant when you're talking to somebody, you open their mouth and you hear a wee touch of Poland, or Ghana, or, or Turkey, or Glasgow, or Lugeli, and you go, you, you try to work it out, and, and, and do you know, and, and I, I love accents, absolutely love accents, but I've got a problem, they're a curse to me, because I can go anywhere for an hour and I'm speaking like them. And the worst thing about that is the wife tells me, but I don't even know I'm doing it. She said, you're speaking Argentinian now, Jimmy. You're speaking Brazilian. You're speaking Glaswegian. No, I'm no. I'm not speaking Glaswegian. And you don't even know you're doing it. But it doesn't stop me if, somebody, if I meet somebody in the street and I hear them and I go, ah. Oh. And you've just got to ask them, eh? And most people were quite happy. Some get annoyed when you say, what do you mean? I'm from, I'm from Britain. You know. And you know fine well they're from Hong Kong, eh? I mean. But there we go. So I want my title today, if, you, if you're one for taking notes, is Accent. Accent. I honestly believe that accent is everything. Now, I'm not going to be speaking about the noun, but the verb. The noun, your pronunciation, how you put your words, is what we use most of the time. But I want to speak about the verb. And I want to answer a question in all of this. So I'm going to come back to that title in a moment. And here's my question. Stephen touched on it in his um, briefing there. Is it possible to live a life full of joy in the middle of so much suffering? Is it possible to live in fullness? The song, the new song, George led us into this morning, it's called fullness. I thought, there we go. And yet all through the Bible, we are promised an abundant life. We're promised fullness. But is it possible to live a life of fullness and joy in the face of divorce, in the face of suffering, in the face of death, in the face of trials? Is it possible? Some people have an answer to this called a bucket list. Anybody here heard of a bucket list before? Well, I don't do bucket lists for two reasons. One, I have no intention of kicking the bucket. I've just an intention of shedding my coat one day and going straight to heaven. Because my Bible says, when you come to Jesus, you live eternally. Come we applaud the Lord Jesus Christ for that. So I don't have a bucket list. And the second reason I don't have a bucket list is because on most people's bucket lists are the Art de Triomphe. They're the great canyon. They're the great wonders and places of the world. And I think to myself, is that it? Is that it? You know, once I get to that place, that one place which nobody else can afford, then I, is that it? Well, I don't believe so. I believe that's a bonus, but I believe 
that that's an escape. Someone once said that all sin is an escape from the goodness of God. All sin is an escape or a comfort from the goodness of God. I don't believe we have to wait to get anywhere or see anything or spend 5,000 pounds or fly 15 hours. I don't believe that's in the Bible. I believe that it's God's intention that we have that experience that people claim to have on their bucket trips every day in the face of it. And I believe the key is change your accent. So here we go. If you're looking at scriptures, if you have a Bible, you could. our main passage for the day is going to be Luke 22. And uh, we're going to look in a moment and find out where did joy go to in the first place? Where, where was joy robbed from mankind? Mankind has got it into his head that joy is somewhere else, with somebody else's wife, somebody else's tablet, somebody else's street, somebody else's car, somewhere else. John 10.10, 10, leading up to that passage, says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come, they may have life and have it to the full. Who is up? Who is up for believing that promise from the living God? Who is up for it? Come on, guys. Who's up for it? There is to be a way to live the life to the full now in the face of it, not despite it. And so... A stack of books have been written on self-help and positive thinking, and most Christians think they're of the devil. I think many of them have little bits of truth in them. They've been pinched from the Bible, obviously stretched and without depth and spirituality. But one of them is a book called Think and Grow Rich. How many have ever heard of a book or read a book called Think and Grow Rich? There you go, interesting. Some people think all you need to do is change your thinking. If you could change your thinking, you can have a rich life full of happiness and love and joy. But I believe it's much deeper than that. And God has a much better answer than just simply changing your thinking. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Always be joyful. Scripture's meant to encourage you, but I've been honest, there's days... I get depressed reading that. Because <laughs> I read that and I go, well, there's something far wrong with me. I'm not very joyful today. In fact, I'm nothing but a mump and a moan. And I can think of nothing else but things to mump and moan about. And yet the scripture encourages us to step up to a new level. And always be joyful. But the big question is this. How? How do you face how do you live a full life? How do you live in the experience of God's joy in the face of it? Well, in Scripture today, I believe we're going to see Jesus demonstrate how to do exactly that on a daily basis. Luke 22, 14, 19 unlocks this mystery for us in a beautiful way. And it starts with giving us an insight to one of the worst moments in Jesus' life. In other words, it, it puts it beautifully, but you could say in the midst of it, right in the face of it. It says in verse 14, when the hour had come, 
Jesus sat down with the 12 apostles. He's about to let them know what's coming. He's in the middle of it. And he said to them with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, Take this, divide it amongst yourself, and I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine, excuse me, until the kingdom comes. Verse 19. Now, Jesus is not about to introduce some radically new ritual here. He's taking something that people were doing pretty much every other day in life at that time, breaking bread and taking wine at their meals. So he's not coming up. So he's taking something very, very ordinary that people do every day in life, and he's using that to introduce the secret. He says, and he took the bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It was Jesus' intention that when you gather together to eat, i.e. break bread and drink, you give thanks. Hence, where we get the word grace. Some people still say grace, usually at one meal a day. So in the middle of one of Jesus' most agonizing moments, he's breaking some bad news. He hands us a key. We know, and you've heard it preached many times, his blood and his life broke the curse. It broke the curse. But right here in these words, he's breaking the curse of the joy stealer. He's breaking the curse that robbed man of joy in the Garden of Eden. Who would like to guess what the original curse or sin of Adam and Eve is in the garden? Because before we look at the solution, we've got to look at where joy went to in the first place. Let me suggest, as you read Scripture, that the joy robber that's still robbing people to this day was ingratitude. Ingratitude. And when Jesus said, when he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks, he was reversing the curse of ingratitude right back there. Because six days God set the scene and said it was good. But obviously not good enough. Because the first bucket list in history appeared in that moment. He said you could eat of anything except of one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam and Eve had absolutely everything to be grateful for. Everything to be thankful for. 
And God made it clear you stay in that scene. It's going to be awesome. But the bucket list appears. And this sense of, well, yeah. But the appeal of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we have the first symbol of a bucket list, that real joy, real happiness, real contentment, real goodness and real greatness is over there somewhere. And that went down into Eve and into Adam. And before we know it, rather than being grateful for what God did on day one, two, three, four, five, six, ingratitude drove them into the fall. Jesus is doing more than a little pep speech here. He's given us an explosive secret to reversing that curse which you and I face every day in life. Someone once said, the accent of hell is grumbling. But the accent of heaven is thanksgiving. It's gratitude. Every accident is no more than an incident to give you the opportunity to choose your accent. Every accident, I made that up by the way, it sounds nobody. Every accent is nothing more than an incident that provides you with an opportunity to choose your accent. Is God still good when the accident shows up? Is he still good when it don't work at our way? Is he still good when we suffer? Has he still got the end of the story worked out? And has he still got the battle won? Therefore, you and I have won. We all know the answer to that. All sin is an escape from what God has provided to the bucket list the devil has in store for you. I'm not saying bucket lists are evil, by the way, and I admire people that do these crazy wild things. It's just no I'm wired. I'm not wired that way at all, unless somebody pays for it. Anne Voskamp, Anne Voskamp, in her amazing book, she wrote after watching her little sister suffer horribly and die, and her mother in a mental asylum. She wrote, she put it in a way that I couldn't put it in an awesome book. The book's called A Thousand Gifts. She says this, in the original language, when Jesus gave thanks, the, the Greek word for it is eucharistio. Stay with me, eucharistio. The root word of eucharistio is charis, meaning Grace. So when we give thanks for our food, we give grace. We're doing something that Jesus introduced here. Jesus took the bread and he saw it as grace. Appreciation of the grace, he gave thanks to God. He took the bread, he knew it to be a gift, and he gave thanks. Now stay with me. The word Eucharistio, thanksgiving, envelopes the Greek word for grace, charis. But it also holds 
the derivative, the Greek word kara, meaning joy. Charis, grace, eucharistio, thanksgiving, kara, and joy. Deep joy is found only at the table of eucharistio. Real joy is only found at the table of thanksgiving. The holy grail of joy is thanksgiving. God set it in the very center of Christianity. The Eucharist is the central symbol of Christianity. Doesn't the continual repetition of the beginner week at the table of the Eucharist clearly place the whole of our life in the context of thanksgiving? One of Christ's very last... You with me, guys? One of Christ's very last directives is he offers to his disciples to take the bread and the wine. And he says this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember and give thanks is the crux or the cross of Christianity. To remember and give thanks is the doorway to joy, the Eucharist deo. Why? Why is remembering the thanks of the core of the Christian faith? Because remembering with thanks is what causes us to trust him in the middle of the storm. To really believe. Remembering, giving thanks is what makes us a member again of the body of Christ. Remembering, giving thanks is what puts us back together again in a hurried broken, fragmented world. Let me say it again. Remembering to give thanks in the storm is what puts us back together again in a hurried, broken, fragmented world. Let's applaud the Lord God for that. Come on. I'm going I'm I'm to develop this a little bit. I would add to that that a lifestyle of gratitude breaks the curse and the yoke of the sadness that comes from ingratitude. Show me a child full of ingratitude and you're showing me a sad child. It's a challenge, parents, to raise. One of the greatest challenges ever is to raise children in an atmosphere and get them to say thanks, get them to give thanks, get them to be thankful and grateful. Some of you mums know it. Some of you mums, you're like my wife, she'll, she'll go daft sometimes, rearrange all the furniture, range the house, freshen up, scrub, clean, get her hair done, nails done, everything under the sun, and she comes home and I'll say, there's my tea on. And you get one of these looks, do you notice anything different? And now you're in panic mode. You're like, I'm supposed to notice something, but I can't notice a blinking thing. And you do what some men do. You're better just being honest, going, no, I haven't, you know, I haven't got a clue. Totally. You don't, you're not grateful for what I'm doing here. Now, my wife never behaves like that. <laughs> but I'll go, I'll take a guess. I'll go, oh, brilliant. Ah, you got a new blouse, darling. That makes it worse, eh? That blouse is about 20 years old. And how many times have you asked me, is that a new blouse? She's not always telling the truth. Sometimes she just pulled the label of two minutes ago and she's pretending it's an old one. But anyway, that's another story for another sermon. But 
But you all know what ingratitude feels like, mums. You've worked your socks off. You put the best meal on. Or you invite friends around for a meal you've planned for a week. And you put the little ingredient here and the little thing there. Little table thing there. Little bit there. Little bit. Little bit. Little bit. Little bit. Little bit. And they sit there. I 15 minutes late. It's half burnt by now. They woof it down like it's buying chaps. And then you're waiting on that one little word. And they go, what's for the pudding, like? What's for the pudding? And you just go totally, come on, ladies, be honest. I'm saying ladies, guys cook as well, anyway. Here we go. Eating bread and drinking wine. Jesus gave thanks. I believe Jesus was giving us an explosive insight that if you change your accent, no matter what accident comes your way, it can be evident that you know your master and you believe that he knows best and that whatever circumstance you face, his word is true, he'll cause all things to work for good to those that love God. If you truly believe that and truly trust in him, that he knows best. You can't see. The Bible says in this moment we see like puzzling reflections in the mirror. But one day we'll see the whole movie and we'll go, ah, oh, that's why you did that. That's why that happened. But in the meantime, it's about trust and believing in the word of the living God. Give thanks in everything. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Be joyful always. Give thanks in everything. I'm going to put a challenge out today, guys. I'm going to put a fresh challenge. Whether you're from Africa, like David, or whether you're from Poland, or whether you're from Berlinger, wherever you're from, I'm going to put a gratitude challenge out today. A 30 days gratitude challenge to every single one of us. Because I believe gratitude does so many wonderful, wonderful things. Uh, first point, very quickly, change your accent. Whatever you accentuate, emphasize, highlight, is what you attract. So if your thanksgiving is expressing the goodness of God and the greatness and the beauty of God, that is exactly what you will attract. But if you accentuate, emphasize, highlight what the devil's done, doing, and continue to do, then that's what you attract. Last time I spoke at the youth synergy, a young man came up to me along with others and said, thanks. Oh, man, you have no idea how good that feels. Then he said it again. Then he said it again. And I began to think, what's wrong with him? What's the matter with him? Because it just doesn't happen. And at the back of him, a little girl came up and she said, thanks. And you're freaked out. Young people still listen to the old fat Scotsman. That's the biggest freaky thing. And then she said, thanks again. And by the time she said, thanks, third time I said to myself, there's something wrong with her. 
And the Lord showed me, no, there's something wrong with everybody else. But I noticed something about these two kids. Do you know what I noticed? Both of them are from broken homes. Both of them for homes that have been broken up recently, by the way. Both of them are still in the grips of the pain of betrayal and isolation and rejection. And here they were, the first stop, the first stop. Well, your beauty nearly fell off that stage. The first stop to give thanks. I think we should applaud for the young people in our midst. They are unbelievable. I can't believe it. And then before I got a chance to ask Elma how the cake night went, there on Facebook, I read some words from my young lady who I was going to say remains nameless, but because she put her name all over Facebook. In fact, I'll invite her up, Rebecca, up to come to the platform for a minute. Let's give it up for Rebecca me. Come on, give it up. People put up all kinds of things, like the cake was good and this was good, and, the, and I loved every bit. But something, up you come, Rebecca. Sorry, I'm not going to bite you. She's going like that's like I'm going to bite her. Rebecca put a post up. And, and I was saying to him, let's get on the Vine Church Facebook because it was almost an education on how to respond to a good evening. If you're on Facebook or you're not on Facebook, it will put it on the Vine Church Facebook. But this lady, I read it this morning again for the fourth time. It's so good. She actually said in the middle of it, this is a long post. And if you're still reading this, I thought reading this, I could read twice this amount, three times a month, because it was so good. And, and what Rebecca said was, uh, about the, the, the cake night was, I want to give thanks. First thing she says. And then she began to explain why. Would you, do you, you want to explain just for a minute why? Um, well, yeah, no, just because, like, for me, like, I'd always known that, like, Macmillan, for example, because obviously that was what it was at, was just an amazing charity. But I actually got to witness, like, it affecting people's lives. Like, I'd always seen, like, posts or whatever else. But to see people actually, like, with the emotion, just to be in a room full of people that understand and how, like, I can get the opportunity to understand myself. I just really liked the chance that I was given. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. You're, she said I'm terrible with this. If she's terrible with that, don't applaud the Lord Jesus. All right? Don't applaud the Lord Jesus if she's terrible. At it. Give it up for her. That was great. On you. Thanks, Jamie. It's one of the most beautiful expressions of thanksgiving, and yet in the midst of it, she explained that her thankfulness comes from a background of pain. Pain doesn't rob you of the opportunity to give thanks. Give thanks in every circumstance. When you practice a lifestyle of proactive, now just went to see if there's something worth thinking, looking, proactive in every situation for someone to give thanks for. When you practice a lifestyle of gratitude to God in the easy times, it becomes second nature to you when the tough times show up. When you fill yourself on a daily basis. One of my friends is now 
decided as a 45-year-old pastor to become an artist. He says, I think I'm no bad at it. He's now getting 300 pounds a pop for his paintings. Paint scenes. And he puts them up on Facebook every day. They're great. They're great. Really great. Getting better. I'm saying they're getting better all the time until I open my curtains in the morning. Until I open my curtains and it kills them. Because the best painting in the world, there's a jacaranda tree on the earth right now and the claim is that no artist can paint it. No one can paint it because it changes by the minute depending on the sun and the clouds. By the time they start painting it, it's changed. 25, the claim is that no artist can paint it. And the sky is like that. And I'm like, I love paintings. I love these things, the Art de Trumps and all that stuff. But there is nothing like the painting God puts in the sky for you and me every single morning in life if we'll lift our eyes and look at it. And if you look an hour later and an hour later and an hour later, every hour of the day, he's changed the painting. There's birds and there's clouds and there's airplanes. Well, he didn't paint them, but there's, there's, it just changes. And I believe that we don't have to wait to get to the art gallery or the museums for to see and experience the greatness of God. We just need to lift our eyes and in the morning say, oh my goodness me, what have you painted today? Even the cloudy days. People think they're, oh, they're, they're clever because they write about 50 shades of grey. There's about a thousand shades of grey in the skies in Scotland for you to give thanks for. Why don't we give thanks to God for his creation and the painting he puts up for us morning, afternoon, and night. If you're struggling to find something to give thanks to God for, just look up on the hour, every hour, and you will find the artist of all artists has repainted it again, the most beautiful thing for you and I to enjoy. Elma, at our ripe old age, we're looking at the skies more than we used to look at each other's eyes. We look at the skies now, Ian, for obvious reasons. No, but the thing is that we, we, we spend more time looking at the skies now than we've ever done and thinking, what have we missed? What have we not taken time? And I love people that put on Facebook. Derek Cook is one of my heroes. Some of the best sights in the world are on Derek. This is my dog. This is my dog smiling. This is my dog having its beetle. This is my, you know, and it's usually by some lake or by some trees or by land. It's just fantastic. And I thought, I want to be like that. I want to appreciate the beautiful, simple things in life and give thanks to God for them. And I can't wait when his picture's coming up. He put some beauties up this week. And uh, is it today the dog's getting the B12, Derek? Had the B12 this morning. How's he doing? How's the report? All good. Come on. Somebody cares. Somebody cares. Somebody cares about his creation. And Derek allows the whole world to enter into that and enjoy that, giving thanks. And, and, you know, he's got something every day. And the dog was very ill no long ago when his best friend's very ill. And yet in the middle of that, found something to give thanks. So Justin on UCB radio, I think it was live yesterday, mentioned an author, a Swedish author, called Johan Norberg. He's written a book called Progress. He blows at the myth that things ain't like they used to be. The world's in a terrible mess. If the Chinese and the Koreans and the Russians and whatever 
get their way, then it's, we're on the last supper. He blows all that the water. And in an awesome little book, if you are one of those that worry about the times we're in, he lists 10 reasons the world is a hundred times better place than it used to be. This business of all the good old days. Yes, in the good old days, people died of cancer that are no longer dying of cancer because of the amazing developments in medicine. Let's give the thanks to God for that. Come on. That's just one example. There are more Muslims coming to Jesus now than ever before. You won't read that in your ISIS news. He gives 10 worldwide changes and improvements. I don't even think he's a believer. He's just a statistician, and he's just put it out there. You can argue about it, but even if you disagree with three of the ten, there's at least seven awesome, wonderful things going on in the world today, and yet all we're getting, sometimes from the media, is the accent of hell. The book's called Progress, Johann Norberg. I want to encourage us today to be a gratitude dealer. Next time you go for your groceries or get on a bus or go to work, look for something to thank. Watch the reaction. It'll freak you out. I had half an hour to spare yesterday and I decided to come by and see Tim and Maxine, different ones, setting this place out from 7 or 8 in the morning for, I call it the Toy Story. What is it called, Tim? The Jack and Jill Market was on. This place is packed full of mothers and grandmothers and fathers and little toys with the little stalls trying to make a few quid. And I just thought, I'm just going to wander around and talk to everyone I can and just thank them. I don't even know what I was thanking them for. I mean, I, mean, I should be thanking Tim. He was doing all the work, but... Anyway, I stopped to say, how are you doing? And every single one was so thankful. They said, oh, thank you for opening this up. We used to worry about buying things for our children's Christmas, and we never have money to do it. And we made 400 pounds the last time. Now we can afford to buy our children things for Christmas and school uniforms. And then the next one, the grandmother joined in and next table, and she said, oh, I, I want to thank. I don't know who to thank, but I just want to thank because I never introduced myself. I just said, how are you doing? And How's it going? And every single table, oh, I made 220 pounds last time. And, and now I, I got rid of all the toys in my house. And I've got room for, to, you know, a few quid to help my children. And every single one was overflowing with thankfulness. I went out there thinking, I just came in here for a guys for half an hour. And I just went home and I spent all day just soaking in that tsunami of thankfulness for people like Tim, Maxine, and Josh, and different ones who do these things behind the scenes. And you don't realize that even the ladies that run the thing, we got a little business now. We got a little, we're making a living now. All because you allowed us to come in. Let's give thanks to God for that. Well, amazing, Tim. Amazing, amazing. And we got people in the town doing food banks where people didn't have food before. And people tell me things are worse. In some ways they are worse, but people are getting food that didn't get it before. People are getting stuff they didn't get before. Social work is improvement and they're getting counseling they couldn't get 50 years ago. There's so many great things to give thanks to God for and gratitude. Because when you're facing it, sometimes the devil lies and tells, well, things could be worse. Of course it could be worse. 
But I want to encourage us today to begin. I said three points. I've actually only got one. Change your accent. Find. Look back in your life and the people that made a difference. Drop them a note. Go about your day and think, I wonder who I can find to thank today. Look to the heavens. Look to the heavens. Use all five senses. Look to creation. And if you look for the greatness of God, you will find it everywhere. You'll find it in the eyes of Derek's dog. You'll find it in the birds in the sky as they rearrange their formations. There are reasons to give thanks to God every minute of every day. And I want to set everybody in this place an insane 30 days of gratitude. What would it be, mums, just to hear your, your 29-year-old teenager just say once, thanks for tidying up my room? What would it be, husbands, to hear? I believe that when Jesus said, when Jesus gave thanks, he broke the curse of ingratitude. There is no greater thing other than love to raise a child with than the principles of thank you raise your child out there and they're free and confident to say thanks and give thanks. They'll get on in life like you can never believe because Jesus had every reason in that moment to grumble. Most of, if not everybody, seemed to have left his church. Everybody that promised to be there and promised he wouldn't swear and promised he wouldn't do this, he had every reason to find something to grumble about. Eucharist Deo, thanksgiving, grace, and joy. And the joy of knowing Jesus. George, we're going to sing that song, Miracles, because the, one of the first lines in the song talks about Jesus being right in front of you. If you're a believer, if you've accepted Jesus, then whether you're in the storm or in the calm, Jesus is there and the way to release supernatural breakthrough, supernatural breakthrough, supernatural breakthrough from your grief, from your sadness, from rejection, from betrayal, the secret is to use what's in your lungs. How many liters of air pass through our lungs a day? I don't mean to put medical people in the spot, but who can answer that question? How many liters of air pass through our lungs every single day. Anybody like to have a guess? How many liters? You want to guess, Fiona? Honestly, you passed your exam, so you've nothing to worry about. <laughs> nothing worse than folk putting the spot, eh? They reckon that 11,000 liters of air 
pass through our lungs every single day. Imagine what would happen if we used 1,000 or 2,000 or 3,000 or all 11,000 of those liters of air to give thanks and glory to God in every circumstance as he promised. And I promise you, nothing would ever be the same. You will see miracle upon miracle upon miracle and situations begin to change. A, f- a week ago we had a panic on a Friday night. 54 young people showed up. Broken, broken young people. Needy, hurting, weeping, broken people. It seemed like it was unmanageable because these kids are so broken and all over the place. After giving thanks for a week in prayer, this week I'm told the atmosphere was different. Correct? Let's give it up to God for that. So, let's stand up together, guys. Let's stand up together. And let's, let me pray this prayer. 30 days of gratitude. You might go, I'm not having that nonsense, Jimmy. I'm a grateful person. That's fine. You might go, do you know, I, I want to go for 90 days. That's fine. Whatever you want to buy into, it's fine. But I want to challenge you and encourage you with your husband and wife, with your children, with one another, if the children see it in you, it will come naturally to them. Sometimes. But imagine God looking down every time you break fast in the morning. You break lunch together. You break dinner together. You break you associate supper together. You remember. You remember. You remember who gave you the 11,000 liters to keep you going to enjoy it. With every hand raised, let's raise our hands. Give a stretch. Give, give just a stretch. And, and pray this prayer with me if you're up for this. Lord Jesus Christ, in this moment, I repent of giving those liters to the wrong accent at times. Release in me a spirit of encouragement and of thanksgiving and of gratitude to the living God. And as I do, God, let it be like Paul in the prison where the prison doors have kept me in. Depression. And some of you today have been in grief but it's gone into deep depression. I'm telling you now, as we sing this song, the prison bars are coming off you. I'm telling you, the prison bars of depression are coming off you. They're coming off you. Because when Paul gave thanks and praise to God in the face of it, the prison doors opened. I would encourage you to open and let that 11,000 liters be expressed to God in love and appreciation and gratitude and see the prison bars of despair, of fear, of isolation, of depression, of discouragement. Fall off you. Look at Jesus, the jailbreaker, the jailbreaker. He broke the jail of the gathering demoniac. Fifth, legions of demons couldn't keep him in that jail. And he's breaking your jail open today. You're gonna be the most grateful and thankful person ever met in Jesus name let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ take it away miracles Josh miracles miracles